Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Corner Three Show. I am Derek Reifer. I have RJ Garcia on the line and a special guest who I've been trying to get on this pod for a while. And that is Rondale Williams from my Northwestern Data Science classes. Um, Rondale is living over in California. He is working with Pro Football Focus, so I've been yep. very excited to get him on so we could talk a little bit about uh, analytics and football because we focus mostly on basketball in this pond, maybe a little bit of baseball. We've done some football before too, but wanted to get more of a more of an expert in, so to speak, on on this episode at least, and I'm glad we could finally get it in. So Rondell, what's up, man? Not much. Just uh, super busy with, uh, you know, the graduate degree program that uh, we're both in and I'm excited for football season uh, and I can't wait for uh, – you know, sports center to this constantly show football highlights every every Sunday. Yes, that will that will <laughs> definitely happen as as I've gotten used to over the past few years. Um, so we wanted to just sort of jump in a little bit with right into sort of just analytics and football in general. I know that uh, at least my perception of it, and I'm sure most people's perception of it, is that basketball and baseball seem to be really ahead of the game in terms of those yep. big three major sports. Uh, it is starting to obviously catch on a little bit in football, and we've seen a lot of the game changing over the past few years, kind of like how we've seen in basketball, the three-point revolution. We've seen a lot of more spread offenses and throwing the ball down the field sort of thing that seems to be a lot of – or gaining a lot of influence from some of this, the advanced stats community. But I'd like to hear your initial thoughts on this. I mean, do, do you agree that it's not really a very widespread way of thinking in football and – what are some of the teams doing? What are the smart teams doing? What are the what are the stupid teams doing, so to speak? Yeah, what are, yeah. What are your overall thoughts? Yeah, sure. Um, I would definitely say, you know, maybe five to ten years ago wasn't very widespread, right? Like, especially at the pro football level. Uh, you primarily had teams like the New England Patriots that were using um, analytics very, very heavy. Um, I would say now it, it is being used very, um, very heavily, right? And there's a lot of people getting uh, into football analytics. Um, most teams nowadays, um, they generally, generally speaking, they have two aspects um, or two analytical teams. Uh, so they'll have a, a, a analytical team that'll just look at player performance. Um, and by player performance, I don't just mean on field performance. They're looking at, um, you know, players' heart rate. They're looking at, uh, you know, how fast they're moving. Sort of the biometrics yep, way yep. of looking at it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. And then you have, um, you know, some teams have a, a second team that looks at, you know, decision making. Right. So they're they're looking at what other teams are doing. They're looking at what their team is doing, and they're trying to see, you know, what what players um, are performing the best or performing, you know, very well in certain conditions. Um, now the, now football is, um, becoming a lot like baseball and basketball where you have more player, player tracking data, um, available. So I know, uh, at the beginning of this year, I know the NFL, um, uh, their, their big data department that's headed up by, um, I believe the guy's name is Michael Lopez. They had a, uh, an event called the big data bowl where, you know, graduate students or people working, you know, just in the field of data science or, you know, people interested in, uh, statistics and analytics, uh, they act. They actually got a hold of some of the player tracking data. So I believe they used like six weeks of player tracking data from the 2017 season, and um, uh, the winners of the contest were able to go to the uh, NFL Combine in um, Indianapolis back in February, 
and they uh, actually got to present their findings. Um, I forget the team that won, but from what I understand, a number of the teams from that contest actually got jobs with NFL teams. Um, so we do see the use of analytics growing um, a ton. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, so I, so I follow a lot of people uh, in the sports or in football analytics space very closely on Twitter. And um, I know there's been a number of guys uh, and girls uh, who have gotten opportunities just by tweeting and blogging about football analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I remember last month I saw like the Baltimore Ravens, they hired like five or six people that from uh, uh, Carnegie Mellon, I believe, who had a big Twitter presence. Yeah, the Ravens um, have and, always struck me as one of those forward thinking yep. organizations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they found they found a ton of great players in like the later rounds of the draft because of it. Um, and then, um, you know, you also have um, um, NFL Scraper, which is the R library that's that's very popular. Um, you know, I know baseball and basketball, they have a number of libraries uh, in both Python and R that, you know, that are growing. So Python uh, and R being the uh, statistical programming yep. languages based on statistics for those who don't know. Yep, exactly. So um, and then, you know, now, too, every day we see uh new metrics um, be, being computed by, you know, the, by new metrics. I mean, like, so, um, you know, in baseball, you have a bunch of advanced matrix uh, that, that teams use or, or that people use. Um, same thing in basketball. Um, NFL has a couple, EPA, you know, you have one probability, all the different things like that. Uh, but now we see people like Brian Burke. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else who's, who's tweeting a lot about different things. Um, uh, Warren Sharp is another guy that talks a lot about uh, football mm-hmm. analytics. He has a, a couple of like new metrics that he's coming up with. And then uh, PFF, they also have like their, their grading system that they use. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it definitely is growing. I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I actually wouldn't say that they're far behind what uh, the other leagues are doing now. Um, now, the, now, the difficulty with football is that, um, you know, the pace of the game um, is, is very fast, so it's hard for some of the technology. For, it's hard for some of the technologies out there to actually uh, constantly, accurately uh, track players. Uh, I think that's one issue, right? Especially like visually, um, and then also you don't have a lot of discrete events like you do in a sport like baseball, right? Mm. So um, I think that's one of the the, the bigger issues, um, and, and so. Uh, yeah, man. It's you know, as I've already said multiple times, it's, it's definitely growing a lot. Yeah, um, I, I think that it's still it's definitely growing, but it's still kind of in those stages yeah. where teams can get a real competitive advantage. You mentioned yeah. the Patriots, obviously. Uh, the NFL seems to be one of those leagues where it should be kind of impossible to build a dynasty, right? I mean, mm-hmm. players players are in the league for for only a few years on average. Um, and there's these one game, one game playoff games, uh, playoff series, I should say, one game playoff series yep. to move on. It should be very difficult to hold such a sustainable success uh, like the Patriots have had. Uh, I guess, RJ, if you, uh, I'm sure you're itching to get some quick thoughts, some quick takes in before we sort of move on to some more specific topics. Um, you have any thoughts on just this, this movement in general or pro football focus, what they're doing or, or any questions for Rondell for yourself? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, from my perspective, and obviously I think all three of us are pretty analytic-minded folks mm-hmm. that are pretty into it and, and believe in the value of it. So just from my end, I'm just kind of curious of, of, of these two potential issues that I, I see, which one do you think is kind of a more serious problem? Well, like something I would say hurdle probably is the best way to describe it. 
So I would say, first of all, just the, the lack of there being only 16 games. I know um, Keon yeah. Faye used to follow on Twitter before he kind of went off the deep end. Um, he used to he used to kind of make these points that you really don't find out if a quarterback has really gotten that much better with a full sample size until about week 10. And obviously at that mm-hmm. point, you're kind of almost done with the year. And then the second thing I think is, I think that Derek and I talk about this a lot, is just this um, unwillingness for a lot of NFL teams to just wait or be slow at all. And it's, it kind of seems like a constant win now, except for a couple of teams such as the Patriots, as mentioned, that are willing to trade back or, or not go for the win all. And I, and I think part of that is the culture of football, but I'm just kind of curious from your end, which one do you think is more difficult for the two um, kind of for a team to be able to manage? Um, so I think the, so so I would say the sample size issue, you know, th- there's something you can learn from, from, from college players, right? Uh, right. It's, kind of, it's kind of a difficult question to answer, right? Like, because with the sample size issue, I, I would love to say that, uh, you know, because you don't have players that are playing in pro systems at the college level. So you don't really have a sample size to like really try to predict uh, what player, at, you know, is going to do very well at the, at the pro level. Um, but, you know, you do have a lot of statistical data and like, you know, various data points that you can look at to try to predict uh, what, what players are going to, you know, uh, work well in your system. Right. So I remember, uh, right. I remember a couple of years ago, I read a, a story about Spark, about the Spark rating um, and how the Green Bay Packers will, were pretty much, you know, they, they pretty much knew that Clay Matthews would be a star in their system because of different um um, biometric data that that they took on him from uh, from from college, um, so I, I think I think your your other option was that like you know our our NFL front office is just um, afraid to be very aggressive. I, I think that was your other uh, option. Um, I I think I, I think any business has 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 that issue, right? Um, unless you're like in tech or something like that, or baseball right, now. Right. But like even baseball, right? Like we all know from watching Moneyball, um, it, it took a while for different baseball teams to actually think that analytics could work, right? People are right, stuck right. in uh, that very old school uh, mentality, and I feel like that's the biggest hurdle, um, more more so than uh, you know sample size. I think you know you have to get buy-in from owners, and owners have to be willing to make that investment. Um, and if you don't have that, that's going to, that's going to hold you back. Right. And, you know, up until now, most of the coaches that were, or most of the owners were dudes out of like, you know, I'm thinking about like the Dallas Cowboys, for example, like Jerry Jones, uh, made his money in real estate and oil. Right. Right. Um, exactly. And so like, you know, Jerry Jones made his money on the Cowboys, essentially. He bought yeah. that team at 30 million and now it's what, 2.2. That's where yeah. he made the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So my, my point in saying all of this is that like you're not, you know, you're, you're trying to bring an uh, um, analytical approach to dudes who are very old, right? Now now we're starting to see with like younger with younger owners or owners that are coming out of tech or we're starting to see with younger coaches like the Sean McVay's of the world. I know that's a popular guy that everyone likes to talk about. Uh, you, you start to see more of an analytical approach with, uh, you know, those teams that are ran by like younger players or people that like really understand the, the value that uh, analytics brings. Um, the Patriots are another good exa- uh, example I've used before. And they have buy, you know, they have buy in all the way up to Robert Kraft. Uh, right. So 
So I think what you really need is is just buy-in, but that's not a problem that's unique to the NFL. The NFL is just going through that issue now. Um, but baseball and basketball, they also have those same issues, right? And, and, and I think the other thing, too, um, that, like, it's not usually talked about, but I think that technology also has to get up to snuff, right? So in a sport like baseball, in basketball, you have um, a lot of these, you know, so, like, I believe in baseball, you have uh, pitch effects, right, that can, like, track the, like, speed of a ball and rotation yep. and all that different right. kind of stuff. You know, football doesn't have something that's, you know, similar to that yet. Right, they don't have a bunch of cameras, at least as far as I know yet. Maybe they are doing this now, and maybe this is how they captured some of their player, some of their uh, player tracking data. But they don't yet have like a, a robust set of technologies, um, you know, laid out around a stadium that could actually do adequate player tracking. That's and also think- a lot. It's also a lot harder to do. I'd imagine with baseball, yeah. you know exactly where that pitch is going to be, essentially within right. a five yep. by five radius. In in a football field, it's one hundred and ten by one hundred and ten yards, or one hundred twenty yep. by one hundred twenty. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, exactly. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I remember um, last, I think it was like last quarter or something like that. And Derek, I think it was actually for the class you and I had together. Uh, might have been last quarter, or like the quarter before. I actually had wrote about like a computer vision system that um, mm-hmm. these guys over at, at Twitter had used. Um, and I remember reading the paper and like one of the difficulties that they had was just getting uh, good angles of the field to be able to like track what formation a team was in, right? Because um nfl teams are very private and you can't really get you can't get like the um all 22 footage right and so what they had to do was they actually had to use footage from a a a, a tv uh camera right so like they took like you know footage from like a game that was shown on fox and they they tried to like track player movement that way or whatever so that's one of the issues that you have too right is nfl teams are very secretive Whereas a sport like baseball, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, coaches are secret in, in, in some other ways, but like there's not, there's not like secret formations that like you're trying to develop behind the scenes, right? Uh, baseball is a little bit of a different game um, when, when it comes to strategy. And so that's the other difficulty that you have, right? NFL teams aren't uh, really w- willing to give up a lot of footage and everything like that. Right. Yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting point. I definitely say yeah. that. Maybe there is that sort of a middle ground aspect to that with basketball where there are some certain plays that teams will run mm-hmm. that maybe they haven't seen before across the league, but definitely more so in football where right. even even like you can look at preseason games, they just will run the most vanilla stuff and yep. Yep. the season comes. Sometimes some teams like the Patriots, for example, I, I hate that we have to keep bringing them up, but they might even be so confident to make the playoffs. They might even save some formations for the playoffs and then you just have yep. no information on that team whatsoever. I definitely think before we move on, I think that the, the, your main point, which is absolutely correct about just football, just being slow uh, and all these, all these sort of old people controlling the game. Mm-hmm. And something we've talked already about on this podcast is sort of just the mentality in football, which seems to be even stronger than the other sports of just the macho. And this yep. is kind of a little segue into our, our next section, but um, you know, the whole rub some dirt on it, macho man sort of, uh, culture is obviously the strongest in football, which makes sense because it has a lot of hitting, a lot of really hard mm-hmm. impact. Uh, these players are really tough, strong guys. So um, that sort of psychology aspect of it definitely lends itself or lends itself away from the analytical sort of numbers nerd way of thinking about the game. Yep. Um, so that kind of takes us into our our next sort of section. I wanted to t- touch a couple of different couple of different aspects uh, of the recent news of the NFL. So 
one of them that ties into this macho macho way of thinking is the the big Andrew Luck crazy surprise news that happened this weekend. Some of the biggest news the NFL has had in an offseason in a long time. Um, and I think we're actually going to find an interesting way to tie this news into what's been going on with the Cowboys, which uh, Rondell, I know, is your favorite team and yep. along with a lot of <laughs> other people in this country's favorite team. They're facing a bit of a crossroads right now in their organization with two of their young stars or, or, or great players, stars, superstars, whatever you want to call them, that they, they drafted together and now are, are starting to reach that point in their career when they need to get extended uh, in a, their contract extended in Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. Um, so this, this, these two things may seem a little unrelated, but I know uh, RJ, if you want to hit it off real quick with sort of your thoughts on these two situations and how they can potentially tie in together um, and what they sort of mean for where f- football is at as a sport right now. Well, I think the first thing to start with, with the Andrew Luck news, um, and I guess, I don't know if you guys saw this, this, this Rob Gronkowski story that came out today as well about him not being able to yeah, sleep uh, for the, for four weeks after his injury. I think, I think what's increasingly striking about this news is just that these aren't head trauma injuries. And that mm-hmm. these are, a, this is a heel and ankle for Andrew Luck. Obviously other things as well, but not, not the head. The Gronk was a torn quad, I believe. Um, again, yeah. not the head. And these are injuries that if you would be to talk, hear about it from other NFL fans, you would think that those are the ones, you, oh, he'll be back in two weeks. Oh, he'll be back in a week. Oh, he'll be back in a minute. And, I mean, Gronk couldn't sleep for two weeks after this thigh injury. Andrew Luck is constantly in pain to the point that he can't play anymore. And these, extreme, these injuries are extremely real. And I think that when, when we talk about this, obviously, in the larger context of it being the head trauma, and I understand why that is as big of an issue as it is, I think we as fans have to remember that these guys' bodies, it's not just their brains that will be broken. It is their entire bodies. It's the ability to walk. It's the ability to live a comfortable life afterwards that these guys are trying to protect. Um, and I think for Andrew Luck, it clearly got to the point where it was just too much for him and he couldn't he couldn't take any more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see you can see why just with the little segue, you can see why a guy like well from the player perspective, you can see why a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, why a guy like Dak Prescott. Well, I don't know if Dak is necessarily holding out like Zeke is, but why these guys would hold out or or want to get exorbitant contracts that the general public would see to be way outside of what these players deserve. You can see why these players would be negotiating this hard to the extent that they sit out of training camp. And certainly from the uh, from the perspective of the organizations, you see these players get injured and, and not last in the league very long. And you can understand why, especially an analytically minded organization, wouldn't want to extend these players. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. the, this is a classic situation that for the Patriots, for example, uh, they have time and time again chose to not extend these types of players, chose to trade them, and that's pretty much worked for them in the long run. Uh, so I'll swing this over to you, Rondale. What are your thoughts on this? I, I know it's kind of a huge, broad now question that I'm throwing at you, but uh, what do you think about this whole situation, and what would you do if you were the Cowboys? What do you what do you see from the perspective of Zeke, from the perspective of Andrew Luck? Just just what are your thoughts on yeah. all, this, all this random news recently? Yeah, so um... So I played football myself too, even played in college for a bit. So like, um, 
I, I definitely know what it felt like to like wake up super sore and not being able to walk the next day because you took a helmet to the leg or something. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely, you know, re- respect him for, you know, getting out while, you know, while he can. Um, now, one of the things I've been seeing a lot lately, you know, throughout the media is people um, just, you know, talking down to the fans, like you don't understand or you guys don't care about his health. Like, I, I think, if you stop and think for a minute, you know, so he was booed right after people found out that he was going to retire um, before he got to make his announcement. And like, you kind of think about it for a while. Like, I'm not saying like, it's ever right to boo anybody, right? Like they, they should respect the man's decision, but if you're expecting your team to make the Super Bowl, right. And, and all of a sudden at halftime at a preseason game, you get a notification, you know, on your phone that says, Oh, your star quarterback is, you know about to retire during the preseason not yeah. like after the season yeah. right right exactly right and it's like two weeks before the actual regular season starts like i can see how you could get a little uh, you know upset and emotional about this being a poor time for that to happen you know um so so yes do i think it was wrong that 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 people booed uh, booed at, at him wanting to retire Yes, but I, I get it. It's, it's, it's understandable. Um, and I also get that, like, hey, he wants to retire because he's being hurt all the time. You know, you have a family. You know, he's also, like, pretty well off, right? I think his dad is the commissioner of the XFL or something like that. Um, yeah, let the, let the uh, conspiracy theories fly. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been hearing about that. Like, there's rumors he might go to the XFL or something like that. But, um, no, so, so yeah, you know, football is a brutal sport. And, you know, to parlay that into the uh, – you know, Cowboys, you know, this is why a player like Zeke is holding out, right? Uh, he's a running back. He's taking hundreds of hits a game. You know, he knows that, like, the average lifespan of NFL running back is probably something about, like, five to six years, right? Um, I think the Cowboys ha- have even pro- proven in the past with a player like uh, DeMarco Murray that, like, hey, after, like, the age of 27, they don't really want you anymore, right? So, so when it comes to things like this, like his holdout, I'm always on the player's side. Um, mostly because, especially if you're playing in a position like running back, a linebacker, where it's a lot of contact, um, your body is going to give out at some point in time, right? Earlier than a player that's a quarterback, right? So Dak Prescott, he's going to probably get to play until 35, you know, barring a se- any serious injuries. Um, and so I, I, I respect, I respect this move. Does it suck for the team? Yes, because the team is trying to, you know, work its way towards the Super Bowl. He's a, you know, he, he, he's the centerpiece of our team's offense. Um, and I say our because as Derek mentioned, I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, and so, and so um, I definitely get why the team wouldn't want to pay him now, especially if I believe he's still on his rookie contract, like about two more years left. And as a team, you want to try to save as much money because of the salary cap. But at the end of the day, hey, this is going to probably be like the only big payout he can ever get in his lifetime, right? Because once he hits about the age of 27, 28, analytics show that running backs go downhill, unless you're Frank Gore, and you're, you know, you're probably not going to get another payout to, you know, uh, for the rest of your career. So um, I definitely think he's making the right decision, and uh, I, think, I think the Cowboys should pay him. Now, with a caveat, not Todd Gurley money. I think the Rams, when they created that contract – and they signed on the dotted line alongside Todd Gurley. I think they made a bad decision, uh, especially given Todd Gurley's injury history. And Zeke has had some off-the-field issues. And so, you know, I, I would give him something close to Todd Gurley's contract, but I wouldn't give him that exact contract. I think you're seeing also a lot now recently with Todd Gurley. I don't think anyone really knows if he's even going to be able to play this whole season. They, yeah. they were in the Super Bowl, and he was barely touching the ball. 
Um, so what do you think in terms of, you mentioned that you think um, they should probably pay Zeke probably just because he's such a centerpiece of the franchise and probably from a business perspective, it probably wouldn't be the right move to let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, just overall Cowboys brand. But if we're talking pure winning, how do you, as someone who watches a, a ton of film and records a ton of stats and obviously played football yourself, how do you really view the sort of relative value of a running back, a star running back versus a great offensive line, which is something the Cowboys have had? Um, that's obviously a big debate in the NFL over the past many years. Um, and we actually saw there's been some debate regarding Andrew Luck about how yeah. they've kind of neglected the offensive line for so long. And that may have really led to a lot of the injuries he has now. And now, of course, right when they've decided to uh, spend on the offensive line and by the way, they've had a more analytically minded forward thinking front office in the most, in the more recent years, they've decided to really invest in that offensive line. How do you sort of make that balance in your head? How do you, how do you sort of um, say who deserves the credit or, or what extent the credit goes? And obviously there are five guys on the offensive line. So it's really not a one person versus one person thing, but uh, from the perspective of a front office, how would you look at building an offensive line versus for, for example, signing a star running back? Yeah. So I, I think this is a one area where, you know, uh, analytical teams and uh, NFL front office, uh, NFL front, front offices are, you know, pretty split. Um, and I should even really say front offices. I think the, you know, ex, you know, football playing crowd or ex coaching crowd, um, a lot of them, you know, believe the running game is important versus analytics says that, you know, you should pass the ball more. Right. Um and, you know, honestly, it's, it's difficult for me to really balance the two because as someone who's played football and I kind of understand strategy and what different what defenses are trying to do, what coaches want to do. Um, I, I think where I'm at on this, and, and, and you'll kind of hear this said a lot on TV too, um, I think running backs are important because I think what you want to do, or I shouldn't say I think, but I know what you want to do as a coach is you want to kill time and running the ball does that, right? Um, The problem is, is that it's not good for a stat like EPA, right? So you want to get closer and closer to the goal line during each down and running the ball doesn't necessarily do that and running the ball in specific situations doesn't necessarily do that. So I think what you really want is you want some middle tier back. I think you definitely want to build around your offensive line. I think analytics really shows that that's true. And what you really want to do is you want to get a maybe a third or fourth round type back. And I only say third or fourth round because usually average running backs come from those two rounds. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you want to you want to pass the ball probably twice as much as you uh, run the ball, right? I think that's the formula for uh, uh, success. Now, I, I think another thing that's also dependent on, on your approach that a fr- I, 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 um, I, I think another thing that's dependent on the on our approach that a team takes. It also depends on your coach's philosophy too, right? So the Dallas Cowboys, for example, have a very conservative uh, philosophy, at least up until this year they have. We don't know what what'll happen with Kellen Moore. You know, he came from Boise State. People think that the Cowboys are going to have a, d- a different offense this year. Um, I, I, so, so if you're like Jason Garrett, who has um, historically run the ball, um, I, I think you probably would want to pay the running back more, right? Because your coaching philosophy says you should do su- such a thing, even though the analytical community will say that's not very efficient. Um, I think you want to buy into what to what that coach wants to do to have the most 
uh, success. Um, and then I think you also have to look at your personnel, right? Uh, Dak Prescott is not, it's not Patrick Mahomes. Um, you can't expect him to, you know, pass the, uh, pass the ball 40 times a game and, and win you a game. Um, but, but I think if you, if, if you had a quarterback who could throw the ball 40 times a game and win you a game, then, you know, you wouldn't pay Zeke a big contract because you can put the game on your, um, on your quarterback shoulder. So, um, I think the Cubs are in a unique situation where, yes, they have to pay a quarterback uh, because quarterbacks, you know, get paid, at least ones who, who have won like that Prescott. But they're also in this very unique situation where he can't actually carry a team. And so I think in their situation specifically, um, in order to help Dak out, they, they, they need to pay not only Zeke, but also Amari Cooper uh, because, you know, he can't do what Pat, Pat Mahomes did last year. Yeah, I completely agree on all fronts. I think that that sort of two to one ratio kind of sounds like the right way of doing it. And yeah. sort of in the way in the NBA, we, we've heard about sort of how the mid range jumper is less, less uh, efficient, but it might be a valuable way to sort of switch it up and keep the defense on his heels. I think that's kind of the same way you can look at running the ball in the NFL uh, as something that's sort of on average, not as valuable, but situationally it can help you in the long run. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that was that yeah. was that was a great discussion. I think we need to sort of move well, one, on. One thing before one thing before we move on. Sorry. Final thought. Yeah, I do. So Rondell had a very nuanced take, and my take is uh, significantly less nuanced. I just <laughs> how old Jerry Jones is? He is seventy six years old. I don't know if that man could. I don't know if that man can live through another rebuild. He's going to have to pay them just because he might die before <laughs> they get they get their guys back. He can't be dying with the number one overall pick. He's got right, exactly. <laughs> he's got to, he's got to pay his guys so he at least have a shot to win the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I completely agree. And I, actually, you know, it sounds funny, but I think that's a very serious point, right? Um, yeah. if, if, if you listen to um, any of the Dallas Cowboys media heads talk, um, they'll tell you like he's constantly talking about you know internally about winning a championship, right? And I think most of that is because you know he's dealing with his mortality. Right. Um, and, and, and so, and so, yeah, I think in his Aren't situation, we all? yeah, yeah, but he's even closer. Right. Uh, uh, and so, and so, yeah, I definitely think in his situation, you know, you want to put out that money. You don't care. You know, you're probably telling your son at, at the dinner table, um, Hey, you know what? We're going to go all out and you can just fix the team after I die. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, unlike yeah, our, unlike our fancy draft. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, Jerry Jones and that organization is always pretty crazy win now, um, regardless. Um, but yeah. let's talk a little bit about our, our upcoming fantasy draft, which is sort of the opposite of winning now. And we wanted to take a minute to discuss some of the future stars of this league. And if you were to draft a team right now, and, and we're going to limit it to only four players each in the in the interest of time here. But if you were to take some some young stars and, and build a roster around them moving forward, who would you choose? Um, and we're not necessarily just saying you have to take specific positions. You have to take uh, a certain number of, of players from each position or which side of the ball. Um, our rule is just going to be that you can't take two players that wouldn't uh, normally be on the field at the same time. And we think that's a pretty fair way of doing it, just assuming you're in a real draft and you're basically just choosing players from – um, from the uh, huge pool of available guys. Um, so I think uh, for the way we're going to do this here, we always do a snake draft. So whoever goes first in the first round will go last in the second round here. 
just to keep it as fair as possible. Uh, Rondell, I think if you have any sort of preference here, otherwise we'll sort of just give you the first pick. Um, and RJ and I, the last time we did a draft, I had the first pick, so I could potentially go last. Or what are your thoughts on this? I'm sort of springing this on you right now. Yeah, I would love to go first. I already have a name in mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you do. I figured I'd, I figured I'd give you that right. Um, I think there definitely is a number one guy here. So so let's go Rondale and then RJ and then myself. And we'll each pick four players and then we'll see where we're at at the end. Yeah, so my first pick would be last year's uh, NFL MVP and Madden front cover man. And that will be Patrick Mahomes. Uh and the reason for that is because that man can sling it. He can throw it to any spot on the on the field. He can run around with it. To me, there's no better quarterback in the NFL. And there hasn't been a better quarterback in the NFL for about the last, uh, I would say, eight years. Yeah, I, I agree. And let me real quick before we move on. I think we want to set a little more of a and, – and Patrick Mahomes, I think, would be the first pick regardless, but a little more concrete. Let's just say you have this one player under contract for the next five years. I think that's a good way – Yep. Of thinking about this, and, and, and we're not worried about salaries. Just like it's free for all, Anyone, whatever. Correct, correct. Um, all right, so so uh, Mahomes. I mean, I agree with the pick. The kid is a superstar. I'm not sure if he'll ever do what he did last year, but even with a regression, I think he'll still be a superstar, and he's obviously still entering his prime. So, uh, yeah, RJ, uh, no, no arguments for me there. Yeah, I'm thinking Baker. Uh, I love Baker. I'm I'm extremely high on Baker. I was high on him out of the draft. I was, you know, when all oh, the height issues were as a Jets fan, when the height issues were being bubbling up, I was like, oh, we might give him a three. We might give him a three. That'd be great. Nope, didn't give him a three. That's all right. I love Baker, and um, I'm really excited for this season for the Browns. I think they're gonna be great, and I would love to have start my team with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, I think Baker Mayfield is a very good player. I'm not sure. If I would take him that high, I definitely do think he will be uh, a Pro Bowl kind of level quarterback. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that's, I think that's kind of a, a little bit of a little bit. I don't know about a reach, but I, I think I think it's fair to take him in the first round after the rookie season he had. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on you too much for that one. Um, so I think for for my I guess I have back to back picks here, and I think my first pick might actually be. Uh, a teammate of Baker Mayfield's, but oh, wow. not someone he really plays with all the time, but someone he has to uh, face in practice, and that's Miles Garrett. Oh, wow. Um, I think that the edge rusher position is one of the most, if not the most important positions right now on the mm-hmm. NFL defense, and uh, you guys kind of got two of those big superstar QBs out of the way, and I, I also know you guys probably won't be taking any more QBs, so I feel like <laughs> the way to go for me right now is to sort of fill out the rest of my roster, and I think that a 23-year-old Pro Bowl-level defensive end who's going to get at the quarterback is going to stop the run, um, who's going to be pretty much demanding double teams no matter what the offensive play call is. I think that's a guy I definitely want to add to my roster. Um, and next after that, uh, I've kind of been scrolling a little bit and, you know, I think this is, this is going to be fun. So maybe you might think this is a reach, but I'm not sure it is. Uh, I'm going to go with Juju Smith Schuster. Oh, wow. Um, I, I think that, uh, in terms of offensive, offensive positions, not named quarterback, I think that wide receiver might be the most important one in terms of really creating for your team and, and allowing other guys to sort of play off of them and opening up the field getting you those yards on the field and creating touchdowns by themselves. This is a kid that's 22 years old and he's up there putting up a uh, thousand yard seasons. He's getting close to 10 touchdown seasons. He's now going to be the number one o- option on what 
we appear to be what, what would appear to be a playoff team or a playoff level team. Uh, obviously, there are a little bit of concerns with how he's going to do without Antonio Brown, but uh, a lot of people might say that he was better than Antonio Brown on his own next year, uh, last year, and so young. I mean, five years from now, the guy's going to be really what you might consider the prime of an NFL receiver. Um, so he's going to be getting better all the time. And I think those two guys from the AFC North are going to be fun to put on the same squad. So, um, so I'm going to make my pick in a second, but I'm going to go look back at the minute marker when uh, Derek said that Juju Smith-Schuster was better than Antonio <laughs> Brown last year. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to remember that. We'll, we'll bring that up in a couple of months. Yeah. Right. We'll with it later. But uh, I'm going to actually say – I said some people might say that. Some people are saying, oh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm actually going to stay in a similar vein, and I'm going to take Pat Mahomes' main weapon and Tyree Kill. Um, this is oh, obviously wow. a, a, off the field. Um, we're not doing that in this draft. We're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing that stuff. So um, Tyreek is about as dynamic of an NFL player as I've ever seen in my entire life from the wide receiver position, especially at the size that he is. I think he's – one of these guys like Deshaun Jackson in his prime, but even better in terms of just being a Steph Curry type where the gravity is just so strong where you need to have two guys on him because if you leave him one-on-one coverage, then that guy is going to get beaten. Um, so I I think that for the other uh, offensive skill positions, um, skill positions at this age, I think a lot of them are kind of hit and miss, but I'm pretty high on Tyreek here. Uh, 25 years old, um, not like not a child, but definitely still very young and seems yeah. like he could be a yeah. star for the next five years. Right. Yeah, and has killer speed. All right. So, uh, you know, I, I think in football, you know, you definitely want to build along your, uh, you know, offensive and defensive line first, right? So, Derek, you took Miles Garrett, but I think uh, the player I'm going to pick is the best defensive player uh, in the league, and that is Aaron Donald. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to pick him because it doesn't matter what coach I have or what, what, what defensive coordinator I have, right? You can play a 4-3 or 3-4. Aaron Donald can fit right in. I think the man had like 16 sacks, and I mean, he's only, what, 5'11"? Uh, but he can play defensive tackle, defensive end. The man's just a beast. And, uh, yeah, to me, there's no better uh, defensive player in the league at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I think Aaron Donald is – I don't think anyone would, would disagree that he's one of the – on the on a one-hand list of the best players in football. Uh, 28 years old, he's still got some great years left in him. I think yep. he definitely would have gone in this draft regardless. I was a little scared of taking him uh, that early, uh, just considering he was already 28, considering the, the younger guys that I took. But you know what? I think there's a very fair argument that a guy at that level, uh, the level he declines, you know, a guy like Miles Garrett may not even ever hit that level. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, a, and, it's a fair pick. Yeah, and just think about how many interior defensive linemen have double-digit sacks. That's unheard of. Yeah. So yeah, well, Quinn, Quinn and Williams next year, but we'll we'll leave yeah, that for later. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rondell, you have another pick here. If you're, if you're uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the next player uh, I would take again, building along my offensive line, and it's definitely a homer pick. I would definitely pick Tyron Smith. Um, my quarterback needs a left tackle to protect him. Uh, I think Tyron Smith is arguably the best left tackle in the league, even when he's injured. Uh, so, yeah, definitely going with Tyron Smith. And he also like Tyron, block Miles Garrett. <laughs> right. Tyron Smith, also a stud. Um, he is 28 as well. So, I mean, picking some guys to go around your, your, your stud in Patrick Mahomes, I think, makes a lot of sense. And picking guys that are already superstars in the league right now, uh, definitely a fair way of going. RJ, any thoughts? And what's your next pick? 
No, I think that's, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see that. I just, I was leaning to people a little bit younger. That was just kind of my, my thought process <laughs> here, but I totally see what you're saying. Uh, my next pick, we're going to have to uh, pull up the Brinks truck for, for my man, and that is Jalen oh. Ramsey. Oh, uh, looking, uh, looking that is Brinks. really unfortunate. Yeah. Why is that? You about to take him? Well, I actually almost took him instead of Juju. I took, <laughs> Juju. I took Juju, got roasted for my Juju pick, and then missed out on Ramsey. I'm, I'm pretty sure you would lock down Juju Smith. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm here for Jalen, and I love all the off the field stuff and like just his chirping. But I think he's a hell of a player and has been essentially since he's hit the league. I love him. I love his age. And um, what I'm really excited here, Derek, is to see if you're going to go with your heart or your head with this quarterback selection you've got coming up here. Uh, well, so I'm interested that you think I. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a tough decision. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think. I'm gonna take my other pick first here. Um, you kind of threw a little bit of a, a wrench in my plans, so I'm gonna just. I'm gonna just go for it. I, I'm not gonna go with my heart here because, although you know what, I might. I might off off screen off off mic make the argument <laughs> that my heart is actually gonna be a better pick, um, and I could, we can get into that later. But I think Deshaun Watson is my man right here. Oh um, wow. Sean Watson, I'm I'm a pretty big believer in his skills. I think that he, to the same extent that his stats have been sort of inflated by playing with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, I think they've been deflated by the fact that he's had a pretty terrible offensive line in each of his first two NFL seasons. Uh, and this is a kid who can make plays on the run, make plays out of the pocket, run the ball, uh, make plays deep down the field, and has shown a pretty deep understanding of the way these coverages work and pretty much took over the league immediately after coming out of college. Uh, this is a 23-year-old kid who I think you wouldn't really find many people argue that within the next five years he could ascend to a top 10, top five quarterback level in this league. Uh, and I would make that bet right now. And I'm going to take Deshaun Watson. Um, any any rebuttals on that before I get into my next pick? Yeah, as long as he uh, can make it and stay alive without a you know another uh, collapsed lung. I think you have a really good pick. I think part of the problem is that defensive line that he's had, right? I mean, he's getting oh, yeah. sacked yeah. just about any quarterback, maybe in NFL history. I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but um, well, he's, he's David, David Carr is calling up and he is saying, no, 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 that expansion <laughs> Texans team, that was yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he, he got destroyed. Yeah, um, I love Watson. I think that he could make a pretty dynamic duo with Juju Smith-Suster. And I think I'm going to back up what I was just going with and find a way to keep this guy alive and keep that lung intact. And that is Quentin Nelson, who is a guard for the mm, Indianapolis Colts, who, I mean, it was the number six overall pick last year's draft and pretty much immediately was one of the best players in all of football on all pro yeah. and to the Pro Bowl in his rookie year. He's now 23 years old. And, I mean, you put that next to a core of two absolute stud offensive players, two dynamic players running with the ball and without the ball. Um, or Watson running without the ball doesn't really make sense, but I more meant running before he passes. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do have three offensive players here and one defensive player, but I think that ratio is, is kind of fair with the way I personally um, put value on NFL offense and defense. And I think that getting an offensive guard here is – you know, not necessarily a surefire way of doing things, but I think Nelson with his age and how immediately impactful he's been, uh, I think he's a pretty good bet over the next five years to be an absolute superstar and to be the kind of guy you want to build around. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very, thank, thanks for making that pick, man. I really thought you were going to do something smart and take Joey Bosa, but I guess not. So oh, I'm wow. going to get Joey Bosa. And I I'm mean, I, I already had Garrett. So what? Uh, true. Oh, yeah, you could double up. Yeah. I wasn't feeling it. All right. Well, I took him taking Bosa. I thought he could have gone in the first round. I mean, this is a guy who has had the production of a player that has been out of his world in the first three years. And on top of it, he has been very hurt to this point. So if you could ever really pull it all together and just not be hurt, I mean, it's been 20, 28.5 sacks in 35 games, which is pretty much insane for a guy who's 23 years old. I think it's funny that now that he's your pick, you're looking at it from the perspective of as he gets older, he will hold <laughs> more healthy. <laughs> I, know, so, I mean, look, I think it's a fair point, but at the same time, 28.5 sacks in three years for a guy that's going into his fourth year is – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. I, I, I misspoke. It's only been two years for Joey Bosa. So 28.5 sacks in two years is frankly insane. Yeah, well, his stat, both his stats in the good way and the wear on his body in a bad way are as if he played much more than two seasons. Yeah, um, he might quit like Andrew I mean, yeah, I don't know. But um, anyways, I still love him here. I mean, I was I mean, other guys I was considering were Danielle Hunter, Chubb, or uh, Marshawn Lattimore and just doing the two CBs with the the two lockdown CBs, which I always love. But um decided to go with Bosa here. I'm feeling good about it. Cool. Not too bad. All right, final All right. pick, Rondell. Cap us off. All right. I'm surprised you guys haven't taken this guy, but to me this guy is uh probably the the best wide receiver uh in the in the league at the, uh, at the moment, also still fairly young and only 26 years old. And that's going to be a uh, old uh, OBJ, um, Oda Beckham Jr. So uh, yeah, to me, you pair him with Patrick Mahomes. He had the speed to go downfield over the middle, uh, pretty good route runner. Um, you know, as long as he doesn't throw a tantrum on the sideline, we should be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think Odell's a pretty fair pick. I think he's the guy that I was considering, and I didn't really want to take necessarily him and Juju, which was maybe just my way of thinking of this whole draft was was kind of weird. Uh, as you said, still, I mean, he's he's not uh, he's he's four years older than Juju, but he's still at twenty six, has a lot of very very productive years left in him. He has had some injury concerns in his past, yep. but didn't really seem to have any big issues last year. So let's go through these three teams real quick just as a wrap-up. So Rondale's team, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Tyron Smith, Odell Beckham Jr., RJ's got Baker Mayfield, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey, and Joey Bosa. And I have Juju Smith-Suster, Miles Garrett, Deshaun Watson, and Quentin Nelson. So um, as always, I'm going to throw those up on the Corner 3 Sports Twitter account, see if we can get a little poll going, see what the people think. Um, but I mean, those are some pretty solid teams over the next five years. So, uh, good job, gentlemen. I think that definitely, uh, my team is going to grow to probably beat the crap out of but uh, I'm a little worried about, <laughs> yeah, little worried about okay. that. I got I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried about that Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald duo. I think that's pretty. Yeah. I mean, especially when you only got like Juju. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, uh, I mean, it was really great having rj i'm used to at this point but rondell it was really <laughs> great having you on and and yeah, this is great some of your experiences and talk about how football is really one of those places where that competitive advantage is still growing and it's kind of yep. maybe the most fun sport right now to talk about analytics in, in that way because uh it's kind of one of those sports where you can still really find uh that market and efficiency and really really make a difference so uh, thanks yeah. a lot for coming on. If you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off, make them heard. 
Yeah, uh, just going back to talking about, you know, football and analytics, you know, the, I think the other thing that's that's great about it, too, is um, it's one of those fields, so like baseball is very mature, basketball is very mature uh, in terms of uh, analytics and data, uh, but football is not. Uh, so, you know, you can actually break into it without like a college degree. Uh, so, yeah, if you're looking for a job in uh, football analytics, there are a lot out there. They don't pay very well, but uh, definitely, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's a pretty great field to get into. So. All right. Thanks a lot, man. And we hope to have you on again sometime soon as the football season starts to get rolling. So, okay. yes, sir. thanks a lot for coming on and we will be in touch. All right. See you guys. Yes, bye talking.